0: If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee Arno and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A 700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th to July 4th, Go to BillBunkley.com, that's BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die, that he might give eternal life.
1: Now, I have to be honest, I didn't even know what a missionary was. We're going to pray for a missionary. I didn't know what a missionary is. I didn't even know what they look like. So, anyway, he says, We're going to have blah, blah, blah from over here in this section come up here and open in prayer. And then we're going to have blah, 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 blah from over here in this section come up here and lead us in prayer. And we have a brother, Ralph Arnold, who's visiting with us tonight for the first time from Athens, Georgia. And uh, we're going to ask him if he'll close in prayer. I'm sitting on the back row, again, the back row, with Betty. And I says, Honey, did he just say my name? She says, yes. I says, what am I supposed to do? She says, you're supposed to go down there and close in prayer. I says, I don't know how to pray. I never prayed. In public, never prayed. <laughs> I didn't pray hardly at all. Except, you know, I'd sometimes in my own mind, I'd talk to the Lord. But uh, this isn't the same. And so I says, honey, I can't go. She says, you got to. I says, I'm not going down there. So the other two guys, they got up and they came on down to the thing. And everybody turned around and said, where the third guy was. Well, I'm still sitting there. And <laughs> he says, Zink, you got to go. I said, I'm not going down there, honey. I don't know what to do. And she says, you've got to go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in. Here comes that elbow again. <laughs> Wham! Well, anyway, I got up and came down the aisle. It was about a mile long. That's the longest aisle I've ever walked in my life. So when I got up there, the preacher went over there by the piano. And this other guy, he sat down, and then there was this other one that was going to lead off in prayer. Well, I went over there and sat down where the preacher had sat, you know, in this there. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, all right. Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I did not know what to do. But this here guy, he came up here, and he grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. <laughs> He grabbed a hold of both sides of that podium. Oh God! And he went. Ahead and he bragged. He said things about God. I didn't know that was. He was like that. Oh God! And he called him. I mean, he scared me to death. And he prayed, and all of a sudden, I heard people all over the audience go, "Amen, amen, mm, yes. Mm, yes, amen, glory!" All over the place. And then when he finished praying, he said, "In Jesus' name, amen and amen." I thought he did it twice. Am I supposed to do it? amen, amen, and amen? How many times am I supposed to say amen? I don't know. My first time. <laughs> I never heard anybody do this. I, didn't, I still didn't even know what a missionary was. I'm supposed to be praying for missionaries. Says, what is I don't know what they are. I don't know what they look like. I don't know if they were from Mars or, <laughs> you know, little strange people. Anyway, I'm, I'm sitting up there, and I'm praying, Lord, because the other guy got up there and he started praying. I said, Lord, I'm running out of time. <laughs> you've got to speak to me and you've got to do it quickly. And I thought, there's a story in the Bible. And I remember Betty's dad telling me about Samuel, how that the Lord called his name. Samuel, Samuel. He got it running to Eli. He said, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. So he went back there. Samuel, he got it running back to Eli. He said, I didn't call you. He says, the next time, just say, here am I, Lord. And I says, Lord, if you can do that for Samuel, you can do that for me. I want you to speak to me. Tell me what to do. Because <laughs> I knew it. As I, said, as I lay me down to sleep, we're not going to bed, so that won't work. And the other one was, Lord, look down to that little crack and bless us while we eat our snack. That was, well, we weren't eating. Well, I didn't know no other prayer. <laughs> so I was kind of beside myself. So I... Sit up there and I said, Lord, speak to me. And you won't believe this. Now, this is the truth. I wouldn't lie to you for anything in the world. I heard my name as clear as a bell. Ralph. Ralph. And I thought, he's doing it. He's doing it. God's talking to me. Ralph. I thought, boy, it sounds so real. <laughs> but it was real, all right. I looked up. I didn't know the other guy that was praying had already finished and sat down. And the preacher was over there going, Ralph. (laughs) I looked over at him. I jumped up, and I headed toward the microphone. And when I got up to the microphone, I still had my Bible in my hand. And it was a little bitty Bible that I stole from Betty. And I had that little Bible in my hand. And I walked up, and I said, Lord, thank you for the word. Amen. (laughs) And I don't remember what else I said. But I prayed longer than all of them both put together. And I have no recollection on one word that I said. And when it was all over with, the preacher had me stand down there, and here they come again, shake my hand. God bless you, we're so glad to have you here tonight. Now, that's three things scared me to death. But if they had not been forced upon me, I probably, I don't know if I ever would have done it. But I feel like, well, if I did it that first time, but I wish I could have remembered something that I said. But no. So when you get a chance, you just take advantage of it and go with it. And if you blunder through it, a poor presentation is better than none. And the last thing I wanted was for the Lord to think that I'm ashamed of him. I'm ashamed to talk about the Lord because I'm so afraid. So anyway, those are my opening remarks. Now go back to the book of Acts in chapter 13. In verse 16, he says, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, Get Lynn to speak. And No, he went ahead and did it himself. He says, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In other words, I got something to say. I do have something to say. Do you realize he just gave them an education in Old Testament history? He went through and laid out some things, and explained some things to them. You know, things that they already had heard, but never put together. You see, they had heard about the Messiah and all these things, but he put it together for them. And believe it or not, he was very well received. So notice, now this didn't happen all the time. Stephen tried that in chapter 7, and they stoned him to death. And so he says here in verse 17, "...the God of this people of Israel..." chose our fathers, and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. See how far he went back? And with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years. Now you'll notice that the word, the number 40 is used an awful lot. Remember, Moses was 40 years in Egypt. And then he was 40 years in the wilderness and then he just happened to be 40 years, I should say, on the backside of the desert and in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's 3 fords right there. Israel was in the wilderness for those 40 years. But now what I want you to see is this. He says in verse 18, And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. So who made the heavens and the earth? Well, God. Well, can't He decide who lives where? That's what He did. But you see, the Canaanites were already in the land. And God was going to judge them, but uh, there's a reason why He didn't at the time. I want you to see this. Hold your place here, but look there in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 15. Genesis, chapter 15. He had made some promises to, um, to Abraham, and he took him out one night and told him, says, look up there at the stars, count the stars. One, two, three, no, he said there was too many, can't count them all. So he says there in verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars, tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he says unto him, so shall thy seed be. Now here's he's talking to an old man. And verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So shall thy seed be. He also understood, because God had told him, that the Messiah, the seed, is coming through his line. He had told him this. And then he makes a statement in um, verse 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Now, did God already tell Abraham that his seed was going down into another country, and they'll be there for four hundred years? You know, four hundred years is a long time. America is only half this old. A little over half this old. Another 150 years, and we'll be that old. And look how long a time that is. But also notice this. He says in verse 14, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. That's a promise. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. In other words, (laughs) you're going to die. But you're going to die in a good old age. And in verse 16, But in the fourth generation, so we know a generation can be a hundred years. They shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, God's going to pour out His judgment upon the people that are in the land of Canaan, but God is patient with them and long suffering with them. And He says, when it's full, see, He's already preparing another nation to come out of Egypt and take care of these nations that are wicked. And God's going to give them that land, He's going to whoop seven nations. And it mentions in verse 19, it mentions these nations of what we're talking about there in that holy land. Now go back to the book of Acts, chapter 13. So we know that the Lord had made some promises and kept His word. God always does. And it says there in verse 20, And after that He gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years, until Samuel the prophet. He's giving them a, an overview of the Old Testament. So sometimes you can read these and it kind of gives you a, a better idea of some of the highlights. But you see, when Stephen was preaching, he brought out other things. Now when Paul is preaching, he's bringing out something else. And there's a reason why. So he goes to, up to Samuel. Well, what did they just mean? He says they had just finished reading about the law and the prophets. So he mentions the law and he mentions the prophets. In verse 21, and afterwards they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of, and here it is again, 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. See, he gave them Saul, in verse 21, in verse 22, and when he had removed him, So you see, God says in His Word, the book of Daniel chapter 2, God can set them up, and God can put them down. Did you know that God can give us the man that God wants us to have in America? And God can take them out, too. I think Obama may, in the long run, have been good for America because it really showed us how bad things are going to get if we don't wake up. Look what he says now in uh, verse 22, "...and when he had removed him..." he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, you notice it didn't even refer to all the bad stuff that David did. You know what's interesting? When you read the book of um, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we call it the Hall of Faith chapter. It mentions all these people. It named a whole bunch. And it all he talks about is what they did by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And it doesn't mention any of their rebellion, any of their bad decisions. Because you see, when you get to heaven, all the other stuff's gonna be taken care of. And only the things that he's gonna reward you versus the things you did for the Lord. Sin's already been dealt with. So wouldn't it be need if God's people could live like that. We have a hard time forgiving anybody and carrying a grudge all the time. And I'll get even with you if it's the last thing I do, you know. But these things are very important. You know, what's important is sometimes what God does say, but what's also important is what God does not say. So now notice, I like the last part of verse 22, which shall fulfill all my will. Verse 23, of this man's seed Hath God, according to His promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus? When John had first preached before His coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of of his feet I am not worthy to lose. Men and brethren... Children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So he's dealing with them. He's talking to them. You're right there. He's talking in the synagogue to the Jewish people. He's telling them, this is what happened. This is the story. And he's laying it out for them. So he says there in verse 27, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers... Because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. What do you think he's talking to them about? See, he's talking also to them. He's reading this in the synagogue. And they just finished reading some of the the law and the prophets. And he's telling them this is what happened in Jerusalem. Because when he's doing this here, see, he's not uh, actually says he came here to Antioch and so forth, and went into the synagogue there in verse 14. So he's not in Jerusalem as he's doing this. This is something that happened in Jerusalem, and he's rehearsing it and telling them, this is what happened. So he makes a statement in verse 28, And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree Laid him in a sepulchre, but God raised him from the dead. Now, does it sound like he's speaking in an apologetic manner, or he is boldly stating the fact? And you never know how the people are going to respond to something, because in some places they took him outside and they wanted to—they stoned him to death. So, um, would you be a little, a little scared? You know, whenever in chapter 9, when God first got a hold of um, Saul, he says, I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Hold your place right there. Let's look at that verse. There's two verses there I wanted to just see. In Acts chapter 9, in verse 13, Ananias, who was there in uh, Damascus, where he had gone to take people and put them in prison, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. He was a bad man. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. So every child of God, every believer in Christ. In verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So that's why he was doing both. He'd go to the synagogue, then he'd go to Jews, uh, Gentiles. And verse 16 says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I wouldn't have minded if he said, I'm going to show him what great, wonderful things he's going to enjoy for my name's sake. It says just the opposite. What great things he's going to suffer for the Lord. Now, take your Bible and just turn over there to uh, Acts in chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And just so that you see, he's now telling what happened on that day when God got a hold of him. See, so he trusted the Lord on the road, and later on, God told him what he was going to have to go through. And it says in verse 16, he says in verse 16, Jesus is speaking to Paul and he's rehearsing it. He says, but rise, stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. See God has a purpose in your life. It doesn't mean that you um, you can't rebel against it. See God says concerning Jeremiah, I knew thee in the womb and I've chosen you. Well see that doesn't no miraculous thing. God does the same thing to us. God's chosen us to walk in good works. But that doesn't mean that we all do. We can still rebel against the Lord. And God says, I have a purpose for you, Paul. And God has a purpose for us. But we don't all believe and do what God wants us to do. But look what he says. In verse 16, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister And a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. So all those people who wanted to kill Paul, God delivered him. We'd be surprised when we get to heaven to find out how God has intervened in our lives on a day-by-day basis. You see, if Satan had his way, He'd kill all of us. Anyone who wants to serve the Lord, I'd do away with him. But look what he says. In verse 17, Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Now get verse 18. There's a couple of things that are mentioned here, three of them mainly. To open their eyes. And two, to turn them from darkness to light. And three, the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so then he says in verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. So God had revealed things to him of what he wanted him to do and his purpose, and God told him, I said, I'm going to protect you here and I'll protect you there, and this is what's going to happen to you. And so this is why whenever you read the book of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, When Paul is writing to a young preacher, he tells him, says, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've stayed the course. I've done it. And he says, "Um, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, but not just for me, but all of them who love the Lord. And he says, my departure is at hand. In other words, I'm going to die. And he had his head chopped off there in Rome. And so he died. And uh, Peter, he knew he was going to be taken where he didn't want to go. He was crucified upside down. So you don't always get to do what you want. The Lord allows a lot of things to happen in our lives. Now go back there to chapter 13. Chapter 13. So he makes this statement that he says, I am not worthy to unloose his shoes. But he says, all these things... God says it's going to happen in the Old Testament, and it's happened just like he said. So in uh, verse 30 when he says, but God raised him from the dead. When he raised him from the dead, this is when he made the statement in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, thou art my son, thou art my son. And he says, this day have I begotten thee. Now look in verse 31. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, or good news, gospel, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God promised to the Old Testament writers, to the fathers of Israel, he says this is what's going to take place. And that's where you have all the prophecies mentioned in advance about the Messiah. In verse 33, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that He hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. And as concerning that is raised Him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's in the 16th psalm. And David made that prayer, and he mentioned that also in the book of Acts in chapter 2. So he made the statement here in verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. So when he says, thou wilt not suffer his holy one to see corruption, must have been talking about Jesus, because they said his body is still with us today, and he did see corruption, so he's not talking about him, he's talking about the Messiah. And we will start in verse 38 and 39, next class. All right? Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and this wallet represents sin. Now we all have sin on us. Everyone here is a sinner, just like me. We're all sinners. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. All of us are in the same boat, for all have sinned. All have come short of God's perfection. The wages of sin is death, and since every man sin, every man is condemned. And God wants every man to be saved and to go to heaven. So Christ died for all men. You see, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. So that's why no man can save himself. And so a man cannot do any good deeds to get to heaven because, you see, it can't be bought. We're already condemned to pay for what we've done. So a man has to be saved. This is Jesus Christ, God's Son. God chose His Son to come into the world because He had no sin. He was His righteous servant. He took all of our sins, the sins of the whole world upon Himself, came back from the dead, and God said that if... If we'll believe that He did it for us, God is bound by His Word. He has to save everyone who believes, whosoever believeth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God from the foundation of the world has predetermined to save all those that will believe. And all those that will not believe, God has predetermined, they'll spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. Salvation is free. It's a gift. And it's whosoever believeth. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I have no axe to grind. I just want to preach the book. And I want you to understand that God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you, to pay for your sins. He said if you'll trust Him as your Savior, He'll give you eternal life as a gift. You don't earn it, you don't work for it, you don't buy it. And God says once He saves you, you're His child forever. He'll never cast you out, never lose you. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you understand the importance of telling people getting them out under the sounds of the gospel. Let God use your power of influence in the lives of other people to get them under the sounds of the gospel. It's so important. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each person that's here to help them to understand that you have chosen them. They have been elected, anointed by you, called to serve you. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. And I pray, Lord, that each person here would respond to you correct anything in their life that needs to be corrected. And I love you with all their heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior?
1: There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 Westwaters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com. Amazing grace amazes me.